Dateline, a long time ago. Galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic were spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the 16th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Hidden Enemy. I am your host, as always, Michael Cohen. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And uh, we've got a pretty big episode, so I'm just going to get straight into the news. Uh, First piece of news is Clone Wars from the New York Comic Con. Uh, This is uh, actually just taken directly from theforce.net which is pretty much the best place on the internet to, uh, to get your Star Wars news. But I just uh, I took out the, the Clone Wars bits, and it's pretty much just about the DVD and a little bit about what Dave Filoni has to say. So, without further ado, here we go. Steve Sansweet gave an overview of the movie and the series and announced that the final episode in Season 1 will be aired on March 20th. What he said next made the audience snap to attention in their seats. He began talking about the upcoming Season 1 DVD box set and how the set has yet to be completed. He then showed the fans two bonus content video clips that Lucasfilm was considering including in the DVD box set. Fans were asked to vote on which clip would be included as bonus material by the level of their applause after each video clip. The two choices were... A deleted scene from the episode Downfall of a Droid where Anakin and R2-D2 are sitting in Anakin's Jedi Starfighter going over the pre-flight checklist. When Anakin asks R2 if the engines are all set, R2 gives him a few beeps and whirls and asks Anakin to wait a moment. R2 waits for one of the droids who is working on the Starfighter to work his way towards the rear of the vehicle. Once the droid rolled around the back and was in front of the engines, R2 gives Anakin the okay to fire up the engines, which Anakin does and in turn toasts the unsuspecting droid. Hearing the whine of the droid, Anakin cuts off the ignition, peers behind his starfighter to see what happened, and then tosses a smirk towards R2. The second clip was a collaboration of concept drawings and animation tests from the Clone Wars movie, such as the ATTE tank scaling the vertical wall during the attack on the Bomar Monastery. The clip received the loudest applause from the cl- crowd, and Steve responded by saying, Congratulations, you just voted on bonus content for the Season 1 DVD box set, which obviously drew another round of applause. The final segment in the panel was a video clip of the main man behind the Clone Wars, Dave Filoni. Dave began to speak about his feelings during 1999 and how the prequels launched his Star Wars fandom to new heights. He then briefly discussed what it was like to be hired to oversee the creation of the Clone Wars and the pure joy he gets from designing each and every episode. Dave ended his video clip by showing fans a never-before-seen compilation of scenes from the final three-part series that will end Season 1 of the Clone Wars, entitled the Ryloth Trilogy. So that's that piece of news from theforce.net. Um, and uh, that little bit at the end about the Ryloth trilogy, I suspect that that's probably the trailer that we've now seen up on StarWars.com. Um, at the time that that this happened, we hadn't seen that yet because this was just over the weekend. But uh, 
but I think that's the same the same clips that we've seen now. Um, which, if you haven't seen that yet, head over to StarWars.com and watch that trailer because you will get very, very pumped. It is, in one word, intense. Um, but more on that later. I... Uh, other than that, the, the, the cool news is uh, is that they're obviously putting some work into the Season 1 box set. Um, and uh, with the season ending March 20th, we might see that Season 1 box set uh, as soon as May, I would think. Like, it only really takes them a couple months, and if they're already sort of selecting the bonus content... I mean, I, I don't know how much work goes into these things, and... I mean, this is obviously something brand new for us Star Wars fans, and who knows what Lucasfilm's going to do that other companies maybe might not normally do uh, when it comes to producing a box set of this sort. So, um, hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. I, for one, cannot wait for the Season 1 box set to come out so that I can have them all in ridiculous high quality and uh i'll probably pick that up on blu-ray not on dvd but uh because i want the best quality possible for my star wars but uh other than that yeah uh, pretty 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 basic stuff that you would expect to see on a dvd deleted scenes um sort of animatics and behind the scenes sort of things i'm sure there will be a lot more as well as I, I guarantee that there will be a sneak peek of Season 2, some featurette or something like that, um, because that's just the way that Lucasfilm operates. They always do that. Um, so, obviously, I will report more news on that DVD box set coming out as uh, as it, it hits the, uh, the wire, as it were. Um, second piece of news, not Clone Wars related, but this is more fanboy stuff. Apparently... You guys uh, showed up for the showing. I didn't manage to get out to Seattle to to see a, a viewing of it. Uh, things just didn't come together. It was kind of too late notice for me. But uh, but it is coming to 10 more cities in the States. Uh, still no word on anything in Canada or any other countries. But it is getting a wider distribution in the States. Which I would suspect if this does well, they might open it up even wider for everywhere else. Um, I don't know why they don't just put it everywhere and see what happens, but it's kind of too late now for that. Uh, but starting February 20th, you'll be able to catch fanboys in the following cities. Boston, Massachusetts. I cannot say that. Um, <laughs> Washington, D.C. Detroit, Michigan. Atlanta, Georgia, Denver, Colorado, New Haven, Connecticut, Orlando, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, Columbus, Ohio, and Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and uh, I, so hopefully for those of you who are in those areas, maybe they're a little bit closer so you guys can, can get out there and see the movie. Um, boost the numbers get great box office, and then hopefully they'll they'll put it in an even wider release and everybody will get the opportunity to see this in the theater, which will be great. Uh, like I said, I haven't gotten the chance to see it yet, but the second that I get the opportunity, you can guarantee that I will be seeing it. Um, that's it for our news this week, uh, but I'm going to go into collecting news because with uh, New York Comic Con, there was actually a couple of things. Um, 
the Clone Wars Turbo Tank has been confirmed by Hasbro. Uh, although it kind of already was at the Canadian Toy and Hobby Fair. But that stuff was taken down because I don't think that they wanted people to know about it yet. Uh, but it has been officially confirmed. So it's coming. It's on the way. Uh, so those of you who want the Clone Wars Turbo Tank, it, it's it's coming. It's on the way. Um, of course, there's some other things. The Clone Wars Speeder Bike Recon Battle Pack. Jedi Insider has some pictures of these guys. Um, it's two clone troopers on bark speeders. They're just regular clone troopers, but they have uh, they have the same shoulder patch uh, deco that the ATTE uh, battle pack came with. The 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 one that had the the tank driver as well as the three extra guys and then all the extra guns for your ATTE. Um, so this is sort of like a companion piece to that. It's it's more troops from the same. The same battalion, I guess. Uh, there's a Clone Wars Jabba battle pack. Which actually, there's been pictures of this for a while, and I just haven't said anything. Um, but it's out there. Uh, you can see the pictures. It actually, it's a little bit misleading because they put such a great background on the picture of the the action figures that you would think that it's just like a a still shot from the movie because this action figure of Jabba from the Clone Wars just looks awesome. It, it's it's a pretty amazing looking figure, um, and it comes with uh, with the translator droid, the protocol droid that that was in the movie as well, which is just a repaint of C three PO. But uh, with that kind of, it, it was kind of a cool repaint. So, uh, so pick that up if you're a Jabba fan, and he comes with the dais and everything, and it's got a cool background that I assume will be in the, in the box and all that. But uh, but it looks like a pretty good figure. And the last piece of collecting news for this week is that Clone Wars issue number four hit newsstands uh, just this past Wednesday with the new comic book shipments. Uh, I picked it up, I read it last night, and uh, the story continues just as it has been. Uh, I, I think I may have forgotten to tell you guys about number three when that came out. So I apologize if I did forget, but that was last month. Um, actually, I think it was two months ago. There's been a bit of a delay on getting these issues out. Uh, but yeah, the the story continues. The art, it's not not the greatest art in the world, but uh, but it does all right, and uh, and the story's interesting. It's like a good two part episode of uh, of the Clone Wars. Very interesting storyline about slavers and and that sort of thing, and really really interesting with Anakin's perspective on all of that, having been a slave once himself, which I think we often forget that he was once a little slave boy. Um, whether that's by accident or on purpose, because that is episode one, and we do try and block that out of our memories, most of us. Uh, at least the yippies. At least I do. <laughs> Can't speak for everyone. But, uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting comic. And that actually reminds me, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a Clone Wars... It's sort of like a little graphic novel. It's um, it's in a digest format, but it's just one trade paperback. It was released like this, a lot like the um, Clone Wars Adventures were released, which were the 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 they were sort of like little adventure digests. Um, which for those of you who don't know, a digest is the same format as like a small Archie comic. Um, 
but they're a little bit thicker. I. Uh, they did ones for the Clone Wars micro series after that came out, and you got to see all these other characters in the animated style. Um, I haven't finished reading this one yet because the artwork is not very good at all. It's uh, it's actually pretty bad, and uh, and the story is not that interesting. But uh, the interesting part is that it actually has some stuff about pod racing in it. Um, like I said, I haven't read all the way through it. I just started it, um, even though I picked it up two weeks ago. Uh, but it, it's got pod racing, which is kind of an interesting element because we haven't really seen any pod racing since episode one. So I, uh, so if you are hard pressed for some Clone Wars action, you can go out and you can pick that up. If you're not too picky about artwork, then, uh, then you probably enjoy it. It's, it's called crash course and it's uh it's got ahsoka on the cover actually the cover artwork is really good i really like the cover artwork and i wish that same artist had drawn the interiors but uh i can tell you who the artists are because i've got it right in front of me so we've got the cover art was by ramon k perez and the uh the art inside is by the Philback brothers actually these guys are canadians um but uh, but they're not really they're not really making a good showing for Canadians. I'm just flipping through it right now, taking a look at some of the pictures, and uh, and it's not that great. It's it by comparison the the six issue miniseries for the Clone Wars looks like great artwork compared to this uh, this smaller one. But um, I'm a little bit of an art snob, so don't take my word for it. Go out there, check it out. Uh, grab a copy. It's only eight bucks, seven ninety five American. So it cost me, I think, eight ninety nine Canadian. So it's not that much money to drop down. It's less than ten dollars uh, for an interesting ish story. It looks like at least it hasn't grabbed me yet, but it might. And so that is our collecting news. And with that, I'm going to get into the weekly recap for the episode Hidden Enemy. Uh, we join our heroes, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, on the planet Christophsis, preparing to ambush a Separatist battalion. The two Jedi and their troops are positioned in two towers opposite one another. Cody reports in to Obi-Wan just as the droids approach. Everything is going according to plan. That is, until the battalion splits. Obi-Wan senses that something has gone wrong just as battle droids blast into the room. The Jedi and clones are surrounded. Somehow the droids knew about the ambush. Anakin calls in gunship support to the South Tower, but Rex is quick to remind him that they're in the North Tower. But Anakin has a plan. Blowing out the window with the Force, the clones fire their ascension cables across the plaza to the South Tower. The team then zips across as Anakin blows out the window on the receiving end. Obi-Wan is surprised to see him, but glad for the backup. The Jedi and their remaining clones make their way onto the roof just as a tactical droid and his troops show up. Thankfully, the gunship arrives, giving them an exit. One of the clones grabs the tactical droid's head and removes it. Hopefully, the droid's head will tell them how the Separatists knew their plan. Back at the Republic base, Commander Cody and Captain Rex examine the tactical droid's data. But before long, the droid's head shorts out. Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive, and Cody explains that they had all their intel. Anakin fears a security breach, but Obi-Wan suspects something more devious, 
a Republic spy. The Jedi will head behind enemy lines to see if they can discover who the mastermind of this plot is, while Rex and Cody stay behind to uncover the security breach. Obi-Wan gives them one last order. Let no one know of the security breach or the Jedi's mission. Anyone in the base could be a spy. As the Jedi leave, Cody notices a calm blinking on the table. Someone has been listening the whole time. Rex looks down the corridor and notices a trooper hiding behind the bulkhead. Knowing he's been spotted, the trooper bolts down the hall. Rex and Cody follow, splitting up to head him off. Rex rounds the corner to the mess hall just as Cody does, but the trooper is nowhere to be seen. He must have gone in the mess. Their problem just got a whole lot bigger. The only ones in the mess hall are clones. One of them has to be the spy. Rex and Cody return to the command center. Cody attempts to contact the Jedi, but something seems to be jamming their signal. They'll have to discover the clone spy on their own. Rex calls R2 over to find any outgoing transmissions the spy may have, may have sent. Meanwhile, Anakin has noticed the battle droids watching them. Obi-Wan noticed as well. This can only mean that the enemy knows that they're coming, but no one has stopped them yet. It must be a trap. This is an unfortunate turn of events. For the Separatists, that is. Back at the base, R2 has uncovered a strange wavelength interference, small enough not to be noticed day to day. The transmission could only be coming from one terminal, in Sergeant Slick's barracks. In the barracks, Slick stands up for his men, just as Cody expected. The troops enter the barracks. Rex and Cody have called them all here to determine who could have used the terminal. Slick wants a minute alone with his troops to prepare them, fearing the accusation will be a blow to their morale. Cody disagrees. The Jedi arrive at the Separatist headquarters. The building is suspiciously unguarded. They enter, taking the turbo lift up to a large foyer, where they are met by Dooku's apprentice, Asajj Ventress. At the barracks, Cody begins questioning the troops. They start with Jester, who's nervous, but the others explain that he was cleaning his equipment like he always does, compulsively. An examination of his blaster confirms it. They move on to Punch, who reports that he went to the mess hall accompanied by Sketch. Other clones in the hall will corroborate this. Gus is next. He's got nothing to hide, his he was in the infirmary with a bandaged arm as proof. Last is Chopper, whose face is half covered with scars. He claims to have been in the mess hall as well, but Sketch interjects, stating that he came in after everyone else. Meanwhile, the Jedi confront Ventress with their ignited lightsabers. Ventress informs them that her spy was nice enough to tell her of their arrival. With the banter out of the way, they begin their duel. Back at the barracks, Rex and Cody press Chopper for the truth. He tells them that he was hiding from the others. He didn't want anyone to see what he was doing. He presents a necklace of battle droid fingers. His brothers are disgusted, but not shocked. Gus always suspected there was something weird about Chopper. Slick overlooked the strange behavior because Chopper had the skill to make up for it, but breaking protocol like this means he could also be the traitor. Chopper maintains his innocence and points the finger at the sergeant. He saw Slick heading towards the command center while everyone else headed towards the barracks. Slick tries to calm Chopper down, telling him that they'll have a proper investigation when the Jedi return. This makes Cody suspicious. He and Rex are the only ones who knew the Jedi were gone. 
Knowing that he's been discovered, the traitor punches Cody and escapes in all the commotion. Outside, Rex and Cody are in pursuit of Slick. Rex has him on his tracker. As they get closer to the signal, they spot the trooper's equipment belt, blinking red. It's been rigged to explode. It blows along with several other explosives that take out the entire weapons depot. He seems to be a step ahead, anticipating every move Rex and Cody make before they make it. At the Separatist HQ, Anakin and Obi-Wan continue their battle with Ventress. She hurls debris at them with the Force, but she's no match for the both of them. She escapes to another room and the Jedi pursue, only to find her seated, in the f- seated at the far end, cross-legged on the floor. As they approach, she ignites her dual sabers, cutting into the floor, causing it to collapse from underneath them. This was all a ploy to keep the Jedi from discovering the spy in the base. But Obi-Wan thinks that she has overestimated her abilities. Ventress disagrees, leaping out the window. The Jedi follow, only to find a massive droid army landing in the plaza. Ventress stands atop a huge tri-droid. The Jedi leap to the droid's legs, severing them with their lightsabers. No longer able to hold itself up, the tri-droid plummets, sending Ventress with it. The Jedi jump from the building, commandeering two passing staffs. Asajj manages to land safely as the Jedi escape. She orders General Worm Loathsome to begin his assault as she departs to take care of the next phase of her master's plan. Back at the base, Rex and Cody have tracked Slick back to the command center. They try to get inside the traitor's head to determine his next move, but in truth they already know where he is. Cody places his gun on the console and sends Rex to the south exit, leaving him vulnerable. Slick takes the bait, just as they expected. He descends from the bulkhead above and grabs Cody's gun. Slick isn't going down without a fight. He elbows Rex, taking his gun, but Cody acts quickly, tackling Slick to the ground. They grapple and Slick gains the upper hand, but Rex grabs him from behind and knocks him out. The Jedi return and the captured Slick explains to them why he did it. He wanted freedom. He accuses the Jedi of enslaving the clones. He claims that he did it because he loves his brothers and was striking a blow for their freedom. But Cody explains that if he actually cared, he wouldn't have put them all at risk. Two troops arrive and take him away. Slick did manage to take out most of the armory, but the heavy cannons are still intact, and they're going to need them. So that is the episode Hidden Enemy, which was actually a really interesting episode considering it comes right in the middle of the season, and yet it takes place before the events of the movie, which uh, which brings up all sorts of other things that I'd like to say, but I won't, um, because I'm going to leave it for when I get to the forum post of the week. But, uh, but I will comment on a few things. Um, but, you know, I really don't have a lot to say about this episode. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, there was a traitor, which it, it was interesting that it ended up being a clone. I know that a lot of you guys on the forums and, uh, and a couple of emails have issues with a clone betraying them. But, uh, but I'll just say this, and this is the only explanation you need. Nothing is a perfect system, even the clone troopers. Although the majority of them are trained and built for a certain purpose there are going to be deficient clones there are going to be ones that aren't quite all there 
and have different quirks. I mean, we've seen this all along. And I know with the troopers, it's a lot less likely than it is with other ones such as I mean, we know the Null Arcs were, were a failed experiment that uh, that ended up surviving because Cal Scarada didn't want them to die. And, uh, and with the clone Commandos, they even end up with different voices. Um, they don't all have the same accent as, uh, as Jango Fett. They, they have sort of individual voices depending on who their... Um, who their commanding officer was, who their trainer was, because there was a bunch of other Mandalorians and bounty hunters training the uh, the different the different clones, such as Cal Scarada. Um, so it's not that far of a stretch for us to believe that there could be a clone traitor, but I do understand people's apprehension towards just believing it. Um, but you can see that, I mean, whether or not it was some sort of a genetic flaw that that makes chopper the way that he is um although he's not the traitor but uh but you can see that that chopper's been through some stuff i mean half of his face is covered in scars and uh and he's collecting battle droid fingers which i mean other than the fact that they're contraband doesn't seem that weird i mean it definitely doesn't seem that weird to us because they're inanimate objects, but the parallel that's being drawn is to um, soldiers, particularly in Vietnam, who, because of shell shock, because of such intense firefights, were so messed up. I mean, with the uh, post-traumatic stress um, and and all of that, like shell shock, is what they used to call it. Um, that they'd kind of they'd kind of lose it a little bit, and they they have some strange reactions, such as like taking ears and fingers from the battlefield, from the the enemies that they've killed. So uh, when you think of it in terms of that, that's sort of what they're trying to evoke. I don't know that they necessarily pulled it off, cause I uh, cause I mean battle droid fingers not that scary. Um, if it was something else, I don't know. I don't know what they could have gone with, but uh, but uh, I mean, they, they nevertheless they they were kind of going for something to show that that the the war has an effect on these clones. They might all be you know cloned from good genetic stock and trained to be the perfect soldiers, but they're not all the perfect soldiers. Um, some of them do go rogue. Some of them have odd tendencies, especially the arcs and the null arcs, and then to a lesser extent the commandos. Um, but we do see the uh, the clone troopers having these strange reactions and unique individual personalities. So it was cool to see a, a an individual personality um, in each and every one of these clones. I mean. Uh, there was Jester who compulsively cleans his gun after every battle, which, I mean, that's odd. If they're not all doing it, you know, like, wh why would he? So, um, I mean, these are all sort of little quirks for characters. So saying that one of them could betray the rest of them 
is a stretch. But you're not you're if you're saying that you're not really paying attention to what what uh, Slick says at the end, and it's that he didn't feel like he was betraying them. Um, he was helping them, like he he was doing this for their freedom uh, as a liberator, so to speak. But Cody and Rex are right, I think more so saying that if he really cared that much, if he really thought about it, he wouldn't have put them in danger. There are other ways to uh, to ensure their freedom. Um, but he has a point, and that's the interesting part, is that are, are, these slave, are these clones slaves to the Republic? They were bred for a single purpose, uh, and that was to fight as the Grand Army of the Republic. But does that necessarily mean that they should be forced to do it? They've been given life. Um, and obviously, I mean, like, they've been paid for, so they're a commodity. They've been bought by the Jedi Council, actually. Uh, if you If you follow all of the older lore and canon about it, um, it's it's actually confusing because in some instances it says that the Jedi Council commissioned it, which we know that um, it was Sifo-Dyas that the Kaminoans dealt with. But uh, whether or not Sifo-Dyas actually did it or there was somebody posing as Sifo-Dyas, I think is still sort of up in the air for me. Uh, according to the essential chronology... It was Sifo-Dyas. He did do this. He he purchased the clone army, as because uh, he could sense the coming storm, like that 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 the dark side was growing and that the Sith army was coming back or something of the sort. So he commissioned to have this uh, army built by the Kaminoans, but um, but there's there's also other stories that say that it was Count Dooku. And the reason why Sidious chose Dooku was because Dooku is rich and he could afford to have the clone army made. Um, and that's why he was the one in charge of it and the one who found Django, if you've played the Django, the Bounty Hunter video game for the PlayStation 2 and the... Uh, and the Actually, I think it was for the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and the GameCube. It was one of those multi-platform ones. Probably PC as well. Which actually, it was a pretty cool game. I liked it. Um... For the time. It's not that good now. Don't go try and find it. But uh, but it was a good game at the time. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, it brings up that, that whole concept of are, are the clones free to do whatever they want? What about when the war ends? What happens to the clones? Do they just get to go free? Um, they only live so long because they age at twice the rate because of the, the accelerated growth. So, um, in 10 years, they're 20 years old and in 20 years, they're 40 years old. So their lifespans aren't that long. Um, and obviously like most of them are around that 20 ish age, 10 years, real time, 20 years age wise, uh, biologically, uh, by the time that the war begins. So three years into the war, they're 26 and some of them might, might even be older than that. Um, and then we've got the newer clones coming off the assembly line, as it were, the shinies that we see in rookies. Um, so it's interesting. It, it brings up some weird points about what, what could happen to them 
if the Jedi had won the war and, you know, Sidious hadn't taken over and the Sith weren't in charge and they hadn't been turned into the Empire. Um, what would the Jedi have done? How do the Jedi refer to the clones? Because I know Anakin in the books and the comics considers the clones as like partners in the war and he considers them like he's very close to them like and you can see it with rex because they're they're very close the two of them um but you can also see between obi-wan and cody that it's a much more professional relationship they admire one another for their professionalism but that's just it like it's just a working relationship um i don't know that they would consider each other friends and uh and that distance is something that leads me to be okay with Order 66 in Episode 3 and Cody getting Order 66 and just firing on Obi-Wan. Moments after he hands him his lightsaber, you know, and if if you've read the novelization, which I haven't, but I've heard from other people, um, in the novelization, Cody says, I shouldn't have given him back his lightsaber, you know, like I should have held on to that if he had known that Order 66 was coming. But, uh... It was very interesting to, to see this dynamic between the clones and the Jedi and, and just just how some of the clones feel. Because if one of them feels that way, others must feel the same way. Um, but it takes the extreme and that's, that's slick to act out against it and to do something about it. So, I mean, there's probably other clones that feel similarly, but not as strongly and don't act out against it. So it would have been cool to see, um, to see this storyline. So, so this character trait in some of the clones follow through, but, uh, I mean, Dave Filoni in the commentary talks about it as, as going Django where, where some of the clones tend to sort of revert to that bounty hunter instinct of the Mandalorians. And, uh, and they'll do anything for money, but but I don't think that that's the case with Slick. I think that he genuinely felt like he was just a slave to the Jedi and to the Republic, and that he didn't want to stand for it anymore. So it was very interesting. Um, the other cool part of this episode is the battle between Anakin, Obi Wan, and Asajj Ventress. Uh, it was very, very interesting. Uh, and a very cool battle. But beyond the battle, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Ventress and sort of this sense that you get that the two of them, they've been chasing each other across the galaxy, right? Like one after the other. And this, this, there's this vengeance thing. And you'd think that she'd have it more with Anakin being that Anakin almost killed her on Yavin. But, uh, well, actually, on Yavin 4, the, the fourth moon of Yavin. But, uh, but, uh, but Obi-Wan and Ventress have this relationship where they kind of, it's, it's even almost flirtatious, which is really interesting to me. Uh, because obviously, like, the Jedi, other than Anakin and a couple of other ones, practice this detachment thing. So they don't, they don't form relationships like that. But... It's funny to see Obi-Wan making reference to that sort of like a, a flirty relationship, but it's his enemy. So it's this thing of the two of them going back and forth. And uh, and he always calls her my dear and that sort of thing. And, 
And uh, it's, it's really cool to see. I really enjoy it. And great, great voice acting and animation to uh, to bring those emotions out in the characters and really, really, like, layer that on and, and, and get it across. More so than they did in the movie because I feel like this scene, this confrontation and the... And the the banter that the two of them have works a lot better than the stuff that we hear them say in the Clone Wars movie. But being that this was the prequel and this takes place like days before, like leading up into the movie, you can sort of consider them as like halves of, of the same conversation. So I think, I think what I need to do is I need to watch this episode again and then watch the movie right after because I haven't watched the movie in a while. So, so I think I might do that where I'll just watch this episode and then watch the movie right after that and, uh, and sort of take them all in as one thing, as one four-part episode, uh, which is a little bit more how it feels than feeling like a movie. Um, but I'm, I'm going to get into that later. Um, Again, it was cool to see a clone-centric episode. I know that you guys have been wanting that. I know that I've been wanting that. Uh, but, I mean, on in the greater scheme of things, it was a good episode, but it didn't really do anything to totally, like, blow my mind. Um, so I'm going to... I'm going to say it's probably about a three and a half or a four. At times, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I definitely like the Obi-Wan and Anakin heading into the trap even though they know it's a trap, which is, it's totally the Jedi way. They're like, they, they always know that it's a trap, but they go into it anyways, willingly, because they know, like, well, what are they going to do? You know, we can get out of it. Just like they, the two of them did uh, with the pirates um, in, in the, the Dooku captured and, uh, and the one that came after that that I cannot remember the name of right now. Um, the Gungan General. I always forget what it's called because I always forget that Jar Jar was in that episode because I focus more on the fact that Obi-Wan, Dooku, and Anakin were teamed up. But, uh, and it's it's also very similar to the attitude that they have in Episode 3. And I think it really lends to that attitude in Episode 3 and makes it make a little bit more sense where they get caught by the Ray shielding and they have that little conversation of, Oh, Ray Shielding, how could this happen? We're smarter than this. And, and Anakin goes, apparently not. And and uh, he goes, well, I'll choose patience and wait for R2 to come along. He'll be any se- here any second. And then he shows up. And uh, and you know that, that the whole thing was just, they were there. They'd rescued the Chancellor. And they knew that they, were, that they could just escape. But instead, they decided, well, this is our chance to get Grievous and end the war. So they uh, they decide to just let themselves be captured and taken to Grievous. So similarly, they do the same thing here where they just walk right into the trap even though they know it's a trap. They see the droids. They, they realize that there's no nobody guarding the, the headquarters. And they just go in. Although the trap, it does work to a degree because Ventress wanted them to be away from the base so that uh, Slick could plant the explosives and take out the armory so that the battle droid army could come in and just take them out. You can assume that maybe Slick was in the middle of 
setting the explosives on the heavy artillery, on the heavy cannons, or getting around to it when he was called to his barracks by Cody and Rex, and so that's why they didn't get destroyed. That would be my guess, at least. Uh, but that's me inferring a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's the episode. That's how I feel about it. That's uh, that's what I have to say. I want to hear what you guys have to say. I've seen a little bit on the forums. But, uh, but get in there and discuss it a little bit more. It's an interesting episode with lots of... Uh, it, it, the actions of the episode weren't that interesting. I mean, seeing Cody and Rex, like the hand-to-hand fight with Slick was kind of cool. But, uh, but it's more so the topics that it brought up that I think are interesting than the, uh, than what actually happened in the episode. So I want to hear what you guys think about this episode. So, uh, email me at, uh, mcohen at clonewarspodcast.com. And, uh, and with that, I've actually got some mail from, uh, from last week's episode. So here we go. This, uh, this is from Trey and he says, Hey there, I've been listening to your podcast since episode 11, or at least I think it was, but regardless of how long I've been listening to your podcast, I still believe that this is one of the best Star Wars podcasts I have ever listened to. Although I would like to attack you with hundreds of compliments, I do believe that I should get on to the reason that why I wrote you. In the last podcast, episode 15, I was really impressed with your rant about Star Wars fans. Being a high school Star Wars fan, I constantly have to justify myself to people at school. I would like to think that I have come up with some pretty good arguments, but I don't think that very many of my arguments have come very close to the intense level that you used to present yourself last week. Everything you said was right. The Star Wars community is one of the closest and most friendly communities that anyone could ever be a part of. People are just too arrogant to join it out of belief that it is nerdy or uncool, when really there is something in Star Wars for everyone. Keep up the good work. You are an inspiration to all Star Wars fans. One of your biggest fans, Trey. Well, thank you, Trey. I'm glad to have you listening. I'm glad that that you uh, that you feel that way about my uh, about my my soapbox speech from last week. Um, actually, it's it's gotten a pretty big response from a lot of you on the forums as well in the uh, in the episode thread. Uh, you guys all had something to say about this, pretty much, and that's uh, good. And I hope that that what I've done is I. Uh, it's just helped you guys realize that you don't have to worry about it because you know what in high school I'll agree I kind of worried about how much people thought I was a, a nerd or uncool or whatever as well but uh, but when you get older it really doesn't matter it just becomes a part of who you are like you can just be a Star Wars fan um, the one thing that I will say is is just be careful with it don't take it to the extreme of you know, Star Wars being the only thing for you. It's, it's, I mean, like, it's fine to have a Star Wars room. I know I pretty much do because my office is where the majority of my Star Wars collectibles are. There's some other stuff in here as well. But, like, on top of my uh, filing cabinet, I've got all of my Star Wars Lego, as well as my Indiana Jones Lego. Um, On the top of my desk, the top shelf has all of my Jedi Force guys, um hanging on the wall is uh is almost the complete set of the ralph mccrory signature series i've got a poster from the uh from episode two attack of the clones from japan that i got from a friend but i also have other stuff in here i got some superman and some spider-man all my comic books are in here 
but uh, and my He-Man and my my proton pack from Ghostbusters, but uh, but the majority of this room is Star Wars, and I do have several levels on my display case in the living room that are actually two that are just Star Wars. The top one being for my two hundred dollar Obi Wan statue and uh, all the other Obi Wan stuff that I have to go along with that. So I mean, like I I'll admit that I am a little bit intense, as it were about the uh about the whole Star Wars collecting and Star Wars being part of my life. I mean, you can ask anybody that knows me, um, I make Star Wars references to for just about any situation. And and I can't. Like you, you can put me in any situation in life and I can relate it to something to do with Star Wars. But uh but it's not the only thing for me. I mean th- there are other things that are interesting to me. Uh, film in general, you know, like I like to get out there and watch movies that aren't Star Wars. I like to talk about movies that aren't Star Wars. Read comic books, uh, which is another nerdy thing, but it's different and it's a little bit, it's it's different sort of thing. Uh, but, I mean, like there are other things in, in life to uh, to be just as dedicated to. But Star Wars is a great thing because of the fan community. Uh, but what, I guess what I'm trying to say is like just... Just don't let it be your entire life, you know? Um, And most importantly, like, don't be a Star Wars fan by yourself. That, that I think, is the biggest thing. Uh, That's what makes you a nerd as, as other people would judge you, is that, you know, you sit alone by yourself at lunch and, and read Star Wars books or whatever. Don't do that stuff, you know, like when you're when you're around other people, socialize, be a part of the group and then just let people know that Star Wars is a part of your life and that you're a fan of Star Wars. But don't let it be the only thing, like have your own things, you know what I mean? Like I I have my artwork and my job and, you know, like my business and everything like that. Doing this podcast and being a fan of Star Wars is just part of who I am. It's not who I am. It's not what defines me. So... So don't let that stuff define you, and nobody can really say anything to you about it. You're just a fan of a cool movie. Um, it's no different than people who are fans of Harry Potter. It's no different than people who are fans of the Godfather trilogy or Scarface. I mean, like, I know there's people out there that I think, you know, like, how could you like that movie so much? So it, it's not just Star Wars. It's everything, you know? Like, if you take anything to an extreme, it, it gets to be an unhealthy thing. Let's, I mean, like, let's use this episode as, as an example, you know? Uh, those clones that take things to an extreme, like taking battle droid fingers off the battlefield, that's unhealthy. But, uh, but enjoying your job and killing battle droids, not unhealthy. Perfectly normal. Um, that analogy was terrible. But, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I think that most of you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and for those of you that are that are the younger listeners that are still in high school and that sort of thing, um, don't worry too much about what other people think. Just don't don't try and hide that you're a Star Wars fan, and don't don't make it an agenda to make other people like Star Wars. Just know that you like Star Wars, be fine with that, and find other things to talk to people about, you know, like, don't bring it up if nobody cares, um, 
But, you know, if people are interested, then you're always there to just say, like, yeah, Star Wars is cool. Have you seen the Clone Wars? Have you seen the the newer movies? Do you read the comic books? Whatever, right? Like, just, uh, just kind of let it naturally be part of your life instead of forcing it. And just don't don't let it take over. I guess that's the biggest message of this week. Because with last week, I kind of made it out to be that Star Wars was the greatest thing ever and that you should just be a Star Wars fan no matter what anybody thinks of you. Um, don't let what people think of you stop you from liking what you like. Uh, but don't let it define you. That's the thing. Just don't let it define you. Be your own person. Star Wars is just a part of who you are. Uh, so that is, that's my response to your email. Um, thank you very much for the great things that you had to say. And thanks to everybody who had great things to say about, about last week's episode. Um, makes me feel like it's worth it doing this podcast every week when I get a response like that. But, uh, it's now it's time for the forum post of the week. And, uh, and I've been holding off. This is why, sir, I didn't have that much to say about the episode because I was sort of holding it for this. Uh, the forum post of the week is for our, the post, the Ryloth Trilogy trailer, which was posted by Jedi Madden. And all he had to say in his post was, oh, period, my, period, goodness, exclamation point. And then he had a link to the video on StarWars.com, I believe. If uh, Maybe it was a YouTube one, but it is on StarWars.com in high quality. So uh, my response to it was, this trailer goes to show that they really messed up with the releasing with releasing the movie with the storyline they did um uh Arakin maker i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right Arakin or Arakin or whatever Arakin maker or macker i don't know said uh i know i'm forbidden from this word but i will say it anyway this is going to be an intense episode. I think that Arakan is uh, is the one who wrote into me last week um, and said that that I say intense too much. But uh, first reality then went on to say, how much of an EU nerd am I? The single giddiest thing about the Ryloth trailer to me is seeing Mace Windu use his shatter point force technique on the window of the crashed ATTE. Um, I didn't realize it was the shatter point until he said that. And then like I read this post and I was like, yes, he did use the shatter point technique, which if you've read shatter point, which is the best clone wars novel that anyone has written yet. It's written by Matthew Stover who wrote the episode three adaptation and he wrote the new novel, uh, shadows of Mindor. Um, holy smokes. Shatter points. Awesome. And the Shatterpoint technique is this ability to use the force to determine the weakest point of any given object or defense or strategy or anything like that. Um, it's it's like the key to Mace Windu's strength and why he can punch a battle droid and destroy it, whereas other Jedi can't do that. Um, and maybe not necessarily all Jedi can't do that because Depa Balaba also knows the Shatterpoint technique. So she could probably do it as well. Um, but it's Mace Windu is the one who created the Shatterpoint technique, I think. Um, and, and it's part of Vapod, which is uh, the Form 7 lightsaber style. Um, and the Vapod is this, it's this alien with like eight arms or something like that that has the ability to strike you know, eight times or something like that. And they say like the Vapod 
when when a Jedi uses that lightsaber style, it's almost like they've got eight arms and eight lightsabers, and they're striking with them all at once. And uh, and it's like the most intense and difficult to master lightsaber style there is. And it uses the shatter point technique. Uh, well, Mace Windu modifies it to use the shatter point technique to determine the weakest point of your lightsaber defense and to get through it and to defeat you. So that's why he's like one of the greatest swordsmen, lightsaber duelists in the galaxy, in the entire Jedi Order. Um, but he can also use it to just like put his hand up against the glass and shatter the glass. Uh, you see it, it's kind of like when, when something freezes and you see like the, the crack fractures, but he just puts his hand up to it. And, and it just sort of spider webs out from this point in the middle of his palm and breaks the glass. Which was really cool to see him use that, especially especially once First Reality mentioned that it was the Shatterpoint technique. Because then I was like, man, whoever wrote this episode is paying attention to Star Wars. Like, these guys know their stuff. Um, but if you haven't seen the trailer, you need to go see it. I already told you once, go check it out. It's awesome looking. And it makes me go, why didn't they just make this the movie the ryloth trilogy would have been much much better as the movie it would have used samuel l jackson to much better effect um i don't think that it's samuel l jackson doing the voice in these three episodes it might be though because it sounds just like him whoever they did get is an amazing voice actor to be able to replicate samuel l jackson's distinctive voice um but i mean we've seen that before because we've seen um I'm not going to be able to think of his name. Uh, no, I can't think of his name. You know what? I'm actually going to bring that up online to uh, to get this right. But the guy who does uh, Obi-Wan's voice does just like a perfect imitation. And uh, and Tom Kane does a great Yoda. And uh, there there's lots of great voices on the show. So... Uh, it's it's not that difficult to believe that someone could be doing a Mace Windu that well. Um, I said, you know, I said that I wasn't going to use the computer while I was recording one of these episodes, but I feel like it's I did total disservice not to uh, not to remember the name of the voice actor that does Obi Wan because I always forget it, so I don't want to be like that. Uh, let's see, James Arnold Taylor. I was right. That's what. That's for that, what I thought. Um, James Arnold Taylor does Obi-Wan, and he does a great job. And you know what? I, well, I can't bring up the voice actors for the Ryloth trilogy yet because those episode guides aren't up yet. But it sounds a lot like Sam Jackson, so either it's him or it's a really, really good voice actor doing an imitation of him. But I'm going to say th this should have been the movie. It should have been the opening movie. Um, it's got all of the main characters in it as far as I can tell. Uh, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka, Mace Windu, um, other characters. Maybe not Padme, but uh, but it's got everybody else um, that you would expect to see. Commander Cody, Command uh, Captain Rex, all these guys. So I would much rather have seen this be the opening to the series 
than uh, than what we did see. Not that the Clone Wars movie wasn't interesting and entertaining, but it maybe wasn't the strongest outing. And I would have liked to have seen them be a little bit stronger to uh, to get that initial audience boost. Not that it was a bad initial audience. I mean, there were a lot of people watching the show when it premiered. But the movie didn't do that well in the box office. Um, people didn't really care. But if if they would have used the Ryloth trilogy, I think maybe, maybe that would have been different. I don't know. This is all based on speculation just because of this trailer. They made some awesome trailers for the Clone Wars movie as well. So I could be totally wrong. But, uh, but this also brought up the idea of more Clone Wars movies. Um, maybe them doing two more, making it a trilogy, or doing one for the beginning of every season. I highly doubt that's going to happen. We probably would have already heard it. But seeing another movie maybe somewhere in the middle of the series, uh, around season three, and then one to cap off the series would be cool because then we'd have another trilogy. Um, a trilogy of Clone Wars stuff. So that would be interesting, but uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm pretty skeptical. I'd like to see it happen, but but it's pretty doubtful. Uh, but you guys want to see it happen so that you can see the fate of Ahsoka, all that sort of stuff in a movie format. Um, but yeah, get over there, get into the discussion, watch this trailer, and then sign up for our forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Which, uh, which we're lucky enough to be part of the Geek Out Loud forums. Uh, Steve made us a part of that. So get over there, discuss that. And then get in and discuss other things in those forums. Um, that's all I have to say about the forum post of the week. So that, that was a good post by, by Jedi Madden and great responses from you guys in there. Um, and you know what? Here's a part. Last week I forgot to do this. Last week it got, I think it got deleted from my uh, from my rundown, and uh, and I forgot to give the the synopsis of the upcoming week's episode. But I did remember to do it for this week's episode. So here is the synopsis for the upcoming episode: Blue Shadow Virus. Padme and Jar Jar are captured while searching for a secret Separatist bioweapons lab, sparking Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka to try and save their friends and halt the release of a deadly virus. Um, I think this is actually a description for both episodes, because I think that the first episode is mostly Padme and Jar Jar, and then the second episode of this one-hour back-to-back thing on Friday night is um, is Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. I don't know if they're numbering these as 16 and 17, though. Um So we'll we'll see. I uh, trying to remember what the what the name of the episode coming up after this is, and I'm gonna bring that up really quick. And while I do, I'm just gonna remind you guys to uh, to go to our website, CloneWarsPodcast.com, and uh, and I've actually got a clip of Blue Shadow Virus up there for you to check out. Um, I pretty much do this every week, as long as they're made available by IGN, because I have great ability to um, to embed their videos into your website. So I just stick them up in, in posts on the website, and you can catch these videos. You don't have to go searching around IGN, because IGN is kind of a difficult website to navigate at times. Not that they're not a great website. I like them, but uh, 
but I can have a hard time trying to find the stuff even when I know what I'm looking for. So if you don't feel like being bothered to go over to IGN.com and view those things, you can just view them straight off of the website on CloneWarsPodcast.com because I've got them embedded right there. So I uh, head over there, check out the clip from Blue Shadow Virus, Mystery of a Thousand Moons. That's that's episode 18, which also airs on the 13th, Friday the 13th. We've got two episodes back to back, 17 and 18. But there is no description for episode 18. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why they're not putting out a description. Uh, the only thing that I can come up with is that this description for Blue Shadow Virus covers both of them um so check that episode out it's gonna it looks like it's gonna be pretty entertaining and then we have after that hostage crisis and then we've got the uh the ryloth trilogy which i actually i i posted on the forums that that the series would be at that the air dates for that are the 27th the 6th and the 13th but uh, but I don't think that's right because according to that New York Comic Con report, the last episode airs on the twentieth, which would be the week following what what TV.com says. So uh, so maybe we're gonna have a one week break in here somewhere because of the double episode. Uh, I guess we'll see. My my guess was that we're gonna see the trilogy, the three episodes aired on separate nights. And then we're going to have, for the final episode of the season, all three episodes back-to-back of the Ryloth trilogy. Um, so they'll air them, like, the sev- the 27th, the 6th, and the 13th. And then on the 20th, they'll air all three back-to-back. That would be my guess. Um, that would probably be the best way for them to do it. So there's, like, you know, if you missed a piece, then then check it all out. But uh, But I don't know if they'd consider that the last episode of the season or not. I'll keep my eyes on this. And I will let you guys know over the weekend because, like I said, I was going to get two episodes out this week. I managed to. It is Thursday. This episode will go up later today. And uh, and you guys will be able to download it before you see the new episode, Blue Shadow Virus and Mystery of a Thousand Moons. Um, and then you will, you will get the episode for Blue Shadow Virus and Mystery of a Thousand Moons, which will be labeled... Frontlines episode 17 and 18 uh, later this weekend. And then I'm going to try and get them out on Saturdays from now on uh, up until the end of the season. And then I actually have some surprises for later on for once the series is is done, once the season has come to a close. I, I've got an interview lined up, which I won't tell you who it is now. I'm just going to leave you guys in suspense. Um, and I'm hoping to get some other ones. And I want to bring some other people on. I know that I uh, that Derek Russell from Starkville's House of L wanted to be on the show, uh, but uh, he's been busy, obviously doing his podcast. He's on three other podcasts. Uh, we'll have Steve back to talk about the whole season. That's my hope, at least. I haven't really talked to him about it, but but I'm sure he'll be cool with that. I'd like to do sort of a season in review. Um, we're going to have an episode all about the web comics and uh, and then over the summer we're going to have episodes about about the old republic especially once those comics start hitting the online web comics for the old republic so um with that that's the episode for this week 
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. Take a moment, fill out our listener survey so that we can get some sponsors and, uh, and I can do some more contests for you guys. Follow us on Twitter. Username is Clone Wars. And head over to Facebook to join our group and, uh, and join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. As always, you can email me at mcohen at clonewarspodcast.com. There are links to all of these things on the website. So just head to the website. You'll get everything else that you need from there. And everything will be fine. Um, with that, thank you very much for listening. May the Force be with you, and I will catch you later this weekend. Bye.